You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Welcome. We're mm-hmm. back on track now with yes. our Chasing the Word series. And now, of course, we're at the end of Chapter 69, where we left off with a kind of a cliffhanger. Welcome back to the microphone. Thank you. And if you haven't had a chance to hear those programs, we invite you to go back and listen to the podcast mm-hmm. on our website, CompassionRadio.com, and get caught up on our series. So we are closing out on Chapter 69 of Psalms. And I wanted to kind of title this last segment, What Do You Get For It? Because the whole first three episodes we did on this thing was about how we plead to God to intercede for us when things are rough. Mm-hmm. And the last few verses, 30 through 36, are pretty much what comes of all that. At the end of all that, begging God to intervene and watching God step up and speak into our life and march right in there in the middle of things and get stuff done, what do we get for it? That's what we're going to talk about today. Well, we've talked in the past about how David is very open with God. He's very blunt. He's very honest and forthright. And he's exactly that way in Psalm 69. Mm -hmm. He just lays it out there and tells God what's going on, tells it like it is. Mm -hmm. Then he says to God, destroy my enemies. And he's (laughs) very honest about that. We call those the imprecatory Psalms. Bring it down like fire, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But we always see with David that he turns a corner toward the end of the Psalm. And he's like, no, I'm just going to remind you, God, of how much I love you and how I'm grateful for my relationship with you. And I'm going to praise you. And he always ends like that. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a good reminder Mm -hmm. to me anyway, of how even though there are things that come up in my life that I am upset about, that I'm angry about, that I'm sad about, whichever emotion comes up. I can always be honest with God about that. I can always tell him like it is in my life as if he doesn't already know. There's always a reason then to say, I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to love you anyway for all of the good ways that you have loved me and shown me your faithfulness. It reminds me too that when we come to God, we kind of expect of him what we've been trained to expect of him. And there's something about David's attitude when it comes to the Psalms, especially when he writes his songs, his pop tunes. He presumes a lot about God, Mm -hmm. things that we are often afraid to presume about God, one that he's going to be good natured toward us, that no matter what we throw at him, he's going to have a congenial spirit about him and welcome us right in. Mm -hmm. David doesn't fear he's going to be rejected. In fact, he expects God to step up and say, you defend the defenseless. That's your job. And he's not afraid to remind him of those things. He's pretty brash about that. And that has carried over all these centuries. And I really do appreciate that about him, that even when he's praying down fire on the enemies of God, he's also looking at God as being good. And if God decides otherwise, he's not going to say, God, you were wrong. But he's definitely laying out his case saying this is what you should do, and now he's asking for all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't really see the result of David's prayers for praying down fire on people. Yeah. We just we just know that he is honest about it, and he is able to say what's really on his heart. Yeah. And I think if we approach our prayer life in that way, too, that we just say, you know, this is what's on my heart, this is what I want you to do, God, and leave it in your hands, then that's being honest before the Lord. And it's also making it a choice to trust God's judgment on yeah. these things, trust God's discernment or God's decision about it. And I think that even 
when we are able to communicate those emotions, those strong, deep emotions to God, it helps. It helps me, anyway. It mm-hmm. helps me to be able to verbalize and articulate what is in my heart, what's really going on, and to just kind of put it out there on the table. It's not bottled up inside of me. Right. And I think that may be a good practice that David is showing us how to do here. And I think when we do that, it's a guarantee and a guard against hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. That we're going to tell him the truth about how we feel does not mean that it's the truth about everything, but it is the truth about how we feel. Yeah. And if we can at least put that out there, God has a chance to answer that. But when we go to him and we lie about the way we feel and we stuff it, and we think we better say things to God that he wants to hear as if God can't read our souls, then we end up getting this vicious cycle going, having to lie to God to try to prove that we're righteous or holy or at least committed to the faith or something. Mm-hmm. And then we end up lying to ourselves constantly. Then we have to keep up appearances. Well, and that makes for a pretty anxious life. Yep. You begin to maybe get embittered because Mm -hmm. you can't really express yourself. And then the anger builds up in that. So, yeah, it's always a good idea just to be honest with God and with yourself. So let's start off 2023 by being honest. Okay. (laughs) And the things that David's going to ask God for and expect of him. He's going to presume upon God his good will. Mm Those are things we want to presume upon God in 2023. Not that we will be demanding, like, just God, fill my cup because I want to be rich in my estimation, but that we presume that God will, in fact, do what is right, what is good for us, what is good for our children, what's good for our world, if we just put it to him and say, this is what we want to. Can you start with uh, verse 30 for me? Starting in verse 30 through 36 of Psalm 69. I will praise God's name with song and exalt him with thanksgiving. That will please Yahweh more than an ox, more than a bull with horns and hooves. The humble will see it and rejoice. You who seek God, take heart. For the Lord listens to the needy and does not despise his own who are prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah. They will live there and possess it. The descendants of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will live in it. In the version that I've been reading through, which is the voice, there's a qualifier in there that's really embedded in the language, but is not spoken in English much. It says, the name of the true God mm-hmm. will be my song. And it's mentioned a couple of times in this last passage. And I think it's an important thing to focus on right now, that okay. if we're going to be appealing to God to do these things, it better be the right God. Hmm. And as I was mentored by a great author and friend of mine, Keith Miller, he reminded me that if I'm identifying a God that I'm worshiping or following or think I'm obeying that doesn't hold up to the light of Scripture, then i got to fire that God and get a new one because that's not the real true God. Yeah. And it was an arresting thought that I could be accidentally or even good-naturedly worshiping the wrong God or a false God. But it's true. We can often get ourselves twisted up in a way where we think that this is what God thinks because we do. And David is saying here at the end of the psalm, the name of the true God will be my song. In other words, there's a corrective there. If I've had false ideas or got a skewed idea of what God wants or how he is in this world, how the world itself is— I need to get recalibrated. And if I'm going to sing a song, it better be about the true God. Mm-hmm. When I do, it'll be uplifting too, to praise and thanksgiving. We don't end up at a place of anger and bitterness and hatred 
about anybody or anything when we're absorbed into and are completely consumed by the presence of God himself as we're worshiping him, as he reveals himself while we worship. The thing to me that jumps out here is that I know David knows the law. Mm -hmm. He's the king, after all. He knows what is required of him as a follower of Yahweh, as a, a Jewish man. And that all of the rules and regulations that have been set forth for what kind of sacrifices are required for what kind of offenses or what kind of thank offerings and all of the things that are written through the book of Leviticus, mm -hmm. uh, he knows that stuff. Right. And he's saying here, even though those are, quote, required by the law, I know that God, because his loving kindness is everlasting, because he is a God of love, he is love that he's not pleased with those things, those those required sacrifices, as much as he is with our heart being thankful. Precisely the point. Yeah. yeah. The things that we would do to uphold the law, if there's no heart in it, God sees the heart. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. And the thing I love about David in speaking about these things, he could speak as a king, as an arbiter, as a wise person about what this letter of the law meant. But he didn't start as a king. He started as a worship leader. Mm. All of his life, he spent time out there in the field singing praise to God, writing songs and watching his sheep. And if someone stopped by, he probably sang him a concert. <laughs> that was his lifestyle. Yeah. He can't leave that behind. So as he comes forward to take the responsibility of king, he hasn't left the priest behind. He's still a worshiper. Mm -hmm. And everything he does about leading his people as a king is always informed and infused with him being a worship leader. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just glad he didn't leave all that behind and become serious and all about the prose rather than the poetry. Yeah. yeah, He was a guy who could not leave behind the music. And I appreciate that very much about him, especially at times when we wouldn't want to be singing a praise song. He worshiped through the worst moments of his life mm -hmm. and gave us a template in many situations to follow. Well, we've talked before about he's a very good teacher on how to actually lament yeah. and how to really grieve situations. And at the end of this psalm, there's no lament. This no. is all about celebrating. Yeah. And he says, the uplifting tune of praise and thanksgiving is going to be on my lips, and my praise will please the eternal more than if I were to sacrifice an ox or the finest bull, horns, hooves, and all. <laughs> No matter how expensive and lavish my gift on the altar is to burn up in his presence to show that I'm willing to spend my wealth, how much more is God excited if we would expend mm -hmm. the wealth of our praise mm -hmm. of our heart spilled yeah. out to him? And let him build on that. Yeah. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith Challenges and Opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 
972-7-7. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. This is all about celebrating. And he says, the uplifting tune of praise and thanksgiving is going to be on my lips. And my praise will please the eternal more than if I were to sacrifice an ox or the finest bull, horns, hooves, and all. No matter how expensive and lavish my gift on the altar is to burn up in his presence to show that I'm willing to spend my wealth, how much more is God excited if we would expend Mm -hmm. the wealth of our praise Mm -hmm. of our heart spilled out to him? Let him build on that. Yeah, And then he encourages those who are reading this or who are listening to this to do the same. Take heart, because this is the kind of God we serve. This is the kind of God that loves us unconditionally, that is there for us, that listens to our download, if you Mm -hmm. will, listens to spew our anger and our hurt and bitterness, and yet he's there with us. He sits with us in all of that. And so we have this kind of God who is with us. And we sell that through Advent, through mm-hmm. the days of Christmas, how God came and sat with us in his humanness. And that's the kind of God we have. And David is is referring to that in some ways, like, you're willing to listen to me, God. Mm-hmm. And so I can praise you because you've sat with me in my despair. You've sat with me in my joy. You've sat with me in my trauma. All of the things that I've experienced in life, you've been there. And so I'm just going to let it all out here and say, everybody who's looking, everybody who's listening, this is the kind of God that I love. This is the kind of God that loves me. Yeah. When David makes this challenge here at the end of Psalm 69, he says, all God's creation joined together in his praise. Mm-hmm. So his challenge, he's throwing down the gauntlet. Who's going to stand with me? You know, like William Travis stepping across the line of the Alamo saying, who will cross this line and fight with me? There's something about that demarcation saying, here I go, and by the grace of God, I'll go further. Because he believes that God wants to do something. He wants to be present. And you mentioned in the last section, honey, about Advent. We're still in the season of Advent. God is still revealing himself. And even leading up to the celebration of Epiphany, it is a celebration of all those characters that came to see Jesus throughout that series of events and years that led up to the revealing of Christ as being more than just another child in a Jewish setting, but they had a special calling, and it harkens back to the prophecies of David and Isaiah. All those things came to reality later, but that whole season was preparing us for the bigger truths to come. Mm. So Christmas did not end at Christmas Day. In fact, it began mm-hmm. at Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And now he's revealing himself. He's unveiling himself. And, you know, David is giving us a template for that, too. God, reveal yourself now. All those characters that followed along the story early on, even from Herod down to the wise men, Mary and Joseph, all the other people that saw, the shepherds, for example, all of them had a sense that God was present. Mm. And we look back and say, well, yeah, he's right there in the manger. That's Jesus. He was God in the flesh. Well, we get that from a distance, like through a telescope. Well, they were sensing that God was big present. That something was going on. They didn't know what was going to happen with that child, but everywhere around they looked, something tremendous was happening. God was involved. So everywhere they looked around them, they were seeing God mm-hmm. and celebrating that. And so that anointing, that presence of God all around them was obviously falling on that child and blessing them and all those who were around him. So they knew something was up. 
That's a great expectation. Yep. Spirit of expectation. So the expectation's not mm-hmm. died yet, and yeah. we're still in that season, even as we look forward to Epiphany on our calendar. David has a habit of doing that every single day. He always looks forward to God's presence and his presence around us. And later, we'll be learning about the indwelling, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes within. Mm-hmm. But here we are at the end of Psalm 69, and the last thing he does in verse 35 into 36 is to say, why and how? He said, God, come. All of us should be celebrating you, so let's do it. Why? Because the true God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. You know, David's also already been through a lot of loss and and battles that he fought and had to literally do a scorched earth policy in order to make his kingdom consolidate and keep going. He's seen a lot of destruction even in his own lifetime. There's a lot of loss in his own country, even before the days of Solomon. But he's saying that God himself is a rebuilder. Mm -hmm. Whatever he experienced in his own kingship, God is the one that promises him that better is to come and that he will be doing the building. And we know when God builds something, he builds it right. Well, we can look back at this and say, this is obviously not talking about stone upon stone. This is a different kingdom. This is the kingdom that we talk about on Compassion Radio a lot, the kingdom life that we as believers live around the world and the kind of things that we do to build the kingdom. That's what David is alluding to here at the end of this psalm. Yeah, I think it has some echoes in the what we call a real world, or the temporal world around us, too. There's going to be situations where if people were living like that, believing that God has rebuilt their identity, their sense of purpose, their, their family, mm-hmm. that they're going to act in different ways. They're going to act more secure and more long-focused, uh, more planning involved, and actually build a society that's going to be just and is going to be safe. And there's not going to be there's not going to be taking advantage of the poor and other people that mm-hmm. don't have power. Well, that's the kind of kingdom that we want to build, right? And then he looks forward to something that emerges out of Jesus Himself that becomes the kingdom of God at hand, which is what we're living in now. Yeah, th- he's talking about Zion being all of us for certain, but he's also seeing his kingdom, his country, his people around him as being part of that long story. Mm-hmm. So it's not separate from the Christian era in that regard, because for him, it's very contemporary. This is all he knows. David's living that life of being that first great king. Mm-hmm. But there's always a twinge in the back of his mind, a spirit that always seems to see things that are way down the road. For that, we take courage. And then the verse 36, it says, their children and children's children shall have it as their inheritance, and those who love his name will live in it. That's still a contemporary truth, Mm -hmm. and it's still being offered to us today. Well, as believers, too, we can see the fruit of this prayer for David, Mm -hmm. uh, that we, as the descendants of the servants of God, as the descendants that were brought into the kingdom through the ministry of Paul and Silas and and those who went to the Gentile race, Mm -hmm. we see that we are inheritors of this promise as well. So we don't just look at this as, oh, this is for the children of Israel. This is for the Hebrew race. This is for all of us. We are the descendants. For all mankind, we want it. So we get the privilege of living in that rebuilt Zion, of being part of the rebuilding of Zion as well. And there are believers and faithful people all around the world that have been busy building this kingdom to give to you Mm -hmm. as your inheritance, to walk in it, to live in it, to breathe that air of the kingdom, and to discover the contours of it and not Mm -hmm. be afraid of, of stepping out and saying, God, where are you in this world? Where are your people? Where are the ones that follow you, that experience you? I want to be part of that 
tribe. Mm-hmm. And we know that it's made of tribes and peoples of all nations. This is a truly universal church in that God has called people from all backgrounds right. and all languages. Right. And we get to live in that reality that we actually can reach out across the world like never before and meet people that are part of this kingdom in all parts of the world. Yeah, that's always exciting. Yeah. And hope in 2023 we'll have many more opportunities to get people in touch here that hear us on the radio with those who are out there on the front lines of faith all around the world. You get a chance to actually meet each other in fellowship again and learn their stories and celebrate what God's mm-hmm. doing. And that's my big hope. I'm with you on that for sure. Well, friends, this is the start. Hopefully big things. Let us know what you think about what God has for you in the future. And drop us a line at CompassionRadio.com or email us at info at CompassionRadio.com. Thanks again for joining us.
Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.